Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. When I pray with folks, either at the hospital or in their homes, when they are sick or just need a boost, I often ask God to wipe out all sickness of body, soul, mind, and spirit. The words are not original with me. There are many varieties of this in the prayer book. However, it is very important for me to ask God for that balance. Because generally, when someone is ill, something has gotten out of balance. Be it physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And we need God's healing hand to bring us back into that wholeness. A couple months ago, I had the opportunity to go to California for a week for what the church pension group refers to as credo. These credo conferences are offered to clergy at various stages in their ministry to do just that, to bring us back into wholeness, into balance. Now, there were sessions for learning and sharing experiences with other priests and deacons. It offered time for reflection, worship, exploration of the beautiful countryside in the Sonoma Valley, and a lot of laughter. And the focus was holistic health, health the body, soul, mind, and spirit. At the end of the conference, each participant had to formulate a credo rule of life, which is a personal covenant that each participant formulates from the experience of the week. The point was that we were not just to have a week of vacation, but a time, but to create a way of living that confirmed our and reaffirmed our commitment to God and to our ministry and to create a way of life that was sustainable over time. The Old Testament command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, is meant for that. It's meant to create and to sustain the balance we need for life. In in the Deuteronomy reading, we heard the command It says, it's not too hard for you. However, for it to work, it has to be more than a concept or a checklist, which is what our lawyer in the gospel lesson is looking for. There are many characters in the story, but the lawyer is really one of my personal favorites. He has all the right answers. He can recite the commands. He knows his creed by heart. But what I appreciate is that he's engaging Jesus. He cares. He has, uh, Jesus has been generating a lot of buzz over the countryside. And some of the things he's been saying are edgy. They're strange, different. Love your enemies. The backstory for our parable began with an account of the Samaritan village that had refused to accept Jesus. Now, in retaliation, you may recall that Jesus' disciples wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume that village. 
Now Jesus, having none of such violence, rebukes them for such, which possibly could should have been their first clue that Jesus may not share this same intertwined animosity that the Jewish people and the Samaritans had for one another. Throughout this whole chapter of Luke, he, Luke balances that devotion to God with action that represents God's love and mercy for humankind, to love God and to love neighbor. Now, although the lawyer may just want a checklist, as I said, he, he at least cares enough to engage Jesus to see what he's all about. But sometimes, so sometimes I think he does get a bum rap. The problem is not that his answer was wrong. He answered correctly. The problem is that he doesn't leave well enough alone. Rather than accepting that he got the answer right on the pop quiz, the love to love God in in a very way, he got that right, to love him in a balanced way, heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love neighbor. He pushes the envelope, because he, which causes him to become self-focused. As he has to ask, who is my neighbor? He teeters in his answer, and that's when he gets off balance, and it's a downward spiral from there for him. <clears throat> As Jesus and the lawyer play this question and answer verbal sword play, the lawyer looking for the checklist, but Jesus isn't going to give him one. Rather, in typical Jesus style, he tells the story we all know, and in doing so, he turns everything inside out and upside down. In yoga, Instructors will often say to get to balance, one has to work through that imbalance. The priest and the Levite have been to Jerusalem where they possibly experienced highs of worship in its grandest form. Perhaps it was their credo experience. And they're on their way back home when reality suddenly strikes and they're forced back into real life where they have to balance the demands of their ministry. Now, it's easy to focus on them, the priest and the Levite, who undoubtedly fail miserably as they pass the bleeding stranger. They're easy targets because of their cultural status. And many of us, including myself, would expect better behavior from leaders of faith. Nothing can bring a church down or a faith group down any faster than the hypocrisy or bad behavior by a priest or it's the leaders of the church. But while the priest and the Levite are certainly not the heroes, they're also not the focus of the story. We all have our favorite Samaritan group that we inwardly don't really want to shine at what they do. But as the Samaritan becomes the focus of the story, we can almost feel the hackles of the rising of the Jewish lawyer who would have expected the priest or the temple 
assistant Levite to be the hero. However, we find that of the three people, the one who was considered the most unholy and the one with the least amount of power in the society, um, for whatever reason, stops to help. So Jesus asks the lawyer, three men, two powerful and holy, and one, an outsider, who's the neighbor? The lawyer has to admit it's the Samaritan, the one who showed mercy. But that hadn't been the lawyer's question. That's why I'd say he spiraled down once he challenged Jesus. The lawyer had said, who is my neighbor? Jesus' story challenges the lawyer in each of us to ask, who is being a neighbor? And in asking this, Jesus once again shows us a different expression of power, one that finds strength and weakness. Jesus knows that from the be, the be, who we are, who we be, flows the do. And being a neighbor is something that flows from the heart, which mysteriously is the way we truly come to fulfill that commandment. It's the only way we can fulfill the commandment, to love God. When I was a child, my grandmother used to say, party is as party does. And perhaps we can take from our gospel and turn it to say, neighbor is as neighbor does. But as Jesus flips, who is the neighbor? Who is neighbor to the one who's hurt and wounded? He asked the lawyer who he is being a neighbor to. If we think we're off the hook, um, this week I listened to a podcast along with several of us, and Bishop Curry says that this story could just as well be the story of the good Democrat or the good Republican. And when we bring the story up to date to address the people that we feel are invisible sometimes, we find that that's where Jesus will engage us at every level, with the mind, with the imagination, the conscience, and the will. Because he's the only one that can take our assumptions and our challenges, and he challenges us that what we say we will believe that we will truly do, and that is our balance. Amen.